Hey, I am your host, as always, Tony Shu, and today I have with me an excellent special guest, Ron Reich. Yeah, hi everybody. My name is Ron Reich, and it is just really, really good to be here. And I'm anxious to have the conversation uh, with you, Tony. Really looking forward to it. All right, sounds great. So Ron is the president of RLB Training and Development, and uh, he's been in the leadership and management development and coaching field for, I think, a little more over almost three decades at this point, right? Yeah, that's right. Time goes fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you have a wealth of experience, and, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm happy to look, I'm looking forward to learning what it is, um, the event insights that you have to offer. And so let's get into it. I mean, when you're looking, I, I think the first thing that you have to look at when you come to this is what would you how would you describe leadership in a business setting ron you know there tony there are so many different ways to look at this and i'm i'm fond of quotes and i i'm a voracious reader and i've read a lot of john maxwell's books he was interviewed a while back and someone asked him john just very, very succinctly, will you please define leadership? He thought about it, and his answer was very simply, leadership is influence. And, you know, again, that, that's very, very simply put, and I believe that. I mean, I really, really do. Anyone can be a leader, and actually everyone is a leader because we lead ourselves. And it's all about inspiring, influencing and trying or trying to get things done through and with other people. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a excellent succinct succinct way of uh, putting it. Um, so uh, I'm curious. Do you think that leadership has changed um, throughout your experience? I mean, you've been in this field for almost uh, three decades. I mean, have you, do you feel like there's any trends in how? Um, what successful leadership looked like back when you started compared to how it looks like now, 30 years ago? I mean, 30 years later? Tony, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think when when I started all those years ago, I think, I don't want to say it was was still the command control era. Still in all, I think leadership over the years, and even just over maybe the past five, six, seven years, has become it needs to become even more human, if you will. And I mean, I'm I'm going to go back because you, you make me think of this. When when my dad was alive and working, he uh, had a very very top level position with one of the utilities here in New Jersey where I live. And I mean, he he was part of the command and control era, and he loved it. He absolutely loved just telling people what to do, where to be, and how to do things and all that. You try that today. I mean, you're, you're just going to fail absolutely miserably. And I, and I, I you know, there are some clients with whom I work even today. They're not, I'm not going to say they're quite that bad still and all. It's just like, do you even know who, you know, who those people are out there that happen to work for you? And, you know, a lot of it is like, well, you know, that, you know, that that's the accounting department and this is marketing. And it's like, you're human beings, for goodness sake. I mean, it, it's it's true. You know, you think of you think of leadership back then and it was very, very, very strict, very hierarchical. And they maintained that kind of strict hierarchy. And, you know, having having some work experience in the corporate field, uh, I think the corporate field reflects the world's traditional values. But the startup field, they tend to be much more uh, collaborative. You know, everyone has an idea that they can chip in, and they kind of value the value the ability of employees outside of strictly what their specific job function is. Now, not to yeah. say that you know startup culture is all the greatest. You know, there's definitely definitely cons and drawbacks um, to that particular thing. But do you think that's do do you think that um, where leadership is heading with that more humanistic side? To it, you think that's a net benefit? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, there's research behind this in that the better the better you know the people with whom you work, 
both personally and professionally, the research is clear, the more effectively you will work with them. And I mean, Tony, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I do quite a bit of work for the American Management Association. And when I do what's called a public class for them, where there are people there from different organizations and so forth, the opening activity I do very simply is I want you to share your name, your name, your company, your job location, a passion you have, and a, uh, a challenge you hope to address. And there were, everybody's sitting there, and they're just kind of thinking, oh, I can do that, I can do that. And I was like, okay, now here's the twist. What I want all of you to do is to stand up, and I want to take maybe the next 20, maybe even 25 minutes. Will you please start introducing yourselves to each other using that as your template? Let's get to know each other a little bit. After, the, after that opening activity, I always ask, how will this opening activity help us work together? Without fail, without fail. Oh, my goodness, we are not strangers. Oh, my goodness, I'm not alone in my challenges. Wow, we can cross, you know, we can, you know, collaborate. We can, quote, unquote, cross-pollinate here because we have, you know, similar challenges, you know, whatever it might be. And, I mean, there's the proof in the pudding just from my own experience and the actual research itself shows this. Interesting, interesting. It sounds like you're describing that, you know, the more traditional leadership, that command and control style, is it's almost like you're saying it's it's isolating in that um, deal. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I think I think it can be isolating. And I think at times it pits people against each other, which is, mm. you know, obviously, you know, not the direction in which we want to go. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate and I'm, I'm very blessed. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love uh, the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. I'm certified to teach it. And I mean, it, it, it's one of the best courses I've ever done. And, and the reason I bring this up, I'm just thinking about what you just said, is that habit four, think win-win. You know, everybody needs to win in a given situation, whether it's departmentally, whether it's, you know, it, it's, it's a client and a customer. Everybody needs to win. It's not like, oh, man, you know, we really got that customer. You know, we, we, you know, we, we could have dropped the price 25% and he didn't even know it, you know, whatever it might be. And it's like, Let's make this a win-win for everybody. I mean, I think that's you know, I I do I too read Stephen Covey's, and I think that um, you know, in a sense, his advice is very straightforward. But um, sometimes the most straightforward advice is really is really the best. Like for example, when it comes to dieting, at the end of the day, less calories in. Less calories in and more calories out means that somewhere along the line, you'll probably lose weight. I mean, it depends on naturally who you are and who you are and your internal characteristics. But the basic principles of the matter uh, yeah. remain the same. Well, and, and Tony, you know what? For, for me, because, again, you're, you're, making, you're making me think about, you know, lead, leadership and language, as it were. Because okay, you just said keep it simple. And for me, I am such a believer in that. Is that just keep it simple, keep it simple. Big words do not impress me, you know. And I mean, some sometimes very candidly, I sometimes there, there are times when I think my vocabulary can be limited, and I you know, and, and I'm uncomfortable with that at times. And again, people are will be using words at times where it's like I have no clue what you're talking about. And if you're trying to be impressed, if you're trying to impress me, you're not. And, you know, and again, in, interestingly, you know, I talked about my dad earlier when when he died uh, at the repast. I just happened to sit next to my nephew, Jeff. And, you know, we didn't plan it that way or anything else. Jeff at the time had just completed year one of medical school. And I asked, I was like, Jeff, you know, I said, I know you don't know grandpa's case intimately. Still, do you think his heart just stopped? Is that what happened? You know, my dad was 93 and he had a lot of heart issues and just all kinds of stuff. 
Jeff said to me, Uncle Ron, no, I don't think that's what happened. I think he had 30, maybe 35 undetectable strokes. And he went on to explain to me what he thought happened. And after about five, six minutes, he finished. And I was looking at him and I was like, Jeff, how did you do that? You just explained some incredibly complex clinical information. And I understood every word of it. How did you do that? And he just smiled the smile that Jeff has. It's like, oh, come on, very simple. First six weeks of school, what they pounded into us mercilessly. When you are talking to a non-clinician, you talk at a third grade level. And I was like, well, it worked for me, Jeff, because I understood you. And again, my point is, as leaders, keep it simple. Just keep it simple. You know, I, I don't need the, you know, the, the again, the, 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 the 17 letter words or whatever. Just explain to me what you need done and I'll take care of it. Well, it's like it's re, you're refocusing communication on communication for communication's sake, not necessarily this uh, desire of, of attempting to seem, um, you know, whatever you're attempting to see. You're simply trying to communicate your idea and you're trying to do it in the most effective way uh, forward and getting rid of getting rid of all the extra fluff that could surround that. That's right. That's right. And I, I think a, a lot of times, too, this has to do with somebody's ego. And, you know, let me show you how smart I am. And it's like, and again, that for, I speak for myself, that's not impressive to me. It, it's just not. I mean, I'd rather just sit down and have a simple, fun discussion slash conversation. I mean, you know, much like you and I are having right now. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, uh, I'm uh, happy that, uh, that, you know, I, that my questions made you think a little bit. That's, that's the whole point of the X show here, folks. You got to think well, a little bit. <laughs> here again, let's. I, I can share with you another example, though, Tony, because, again, you're making me think, which is wonderful. I was working at a pharmaceutical company quite a few years ago, and our boss was doing a presentation. And we were probably about, I don't know, 75% through with it, whatever it was. We took a break, and he came up to the team where we, you know, we were sitting together. I said, all right, what do you think? And I just said to him, I was like, Joe, you had me thinking. And he was like, good, that's what this is all about. I just, I just want to get you thinking about this. And again, it, it, that just makes sense to me. Get people thinking. And when they're thinking and when they're talking to each other, that's when the collaboration comes. That's when ideas bubble up and everything that goes along with that. You know, you mentioned something earlier that I, I think unfortunately a huge amount of people can really relate to which is the ego interfering with your leadership ability how i i mean i i think everyone knows you know the stories and a lot of personal experiences with people who are in the leadership role who uh who perhaps let the ego get a little bit ahead of themselves and, and friend and, and get in the way of it, well effectively communicating and reaching their goals but I'm interested in hearing your opinion from your experience. How do you think that that, uh, how do you think that ego ends up interacting with your leadership? I mean, I'll put it this way. Everybody has an ego. And do I have one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have an ego. And I, I, I like to think that when I'm working with people and when I'm, when I'm talking about something that I come across as confident, not arrogant, and not egotistical. And, and, you know, and again, so much of this has to do with just, I don't know, the, again, the experiences that I have, the reading that I have done, it does make me confident. And I'm also not afraid to admit at any point in time that I have made a mistake or that, you know, someone has a better idea than I do. You know, anything along those lines is like, that's what leadership is all about. My job is to get us to the finish line as a leader. However we get there, wonderful, because I need everybody to contribute to this, and everybody contributes differently. It's not, it doesn't need to be my way, and, I, and that's part of, too. Again, I'm going to go back to Stephen Covey and, and just for a minute talk about Habit 6, which, he's, which he calls synergizing. 
And essentially what he means by that, so, you know, again, very simply put and very quickly, it's not my idea that we're going to go with, Tony. It's not your idea that we're going to go with. Let's talk about it and let's come up with what he calls the third alternative or the fourth alternative or the 17th alternative. Because all of a sudden when it's not, it's my idea and we need to go with this and you're digging your heels in, where are we going to go? Nowhere. Nowhere. When we're both open-minded, it's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. My friend Babs has experience with this. Let me call her. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking about, hey, you know what? That's right. That's right. I know a guy, I know a vendor that can, you know, whatever it might be. That's that's what leadership's all about. It's 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 if if I could summarize what you're saying, it sounds like it's it sounds like what you're getting at is that uh, the goal for you is to shift the ego from I am great to I deliver great outcomes and try and taking it a little bit of a step further. The, the only thing I would change in your comment, Tony, it's not I deliver, we deliver. Mm. We deliver. Because it's all, it's all about us. You know, it, it is just all about us. And, and again, I think, I'm not sure if this completely ties in or not. Still in all, one of the other things I try to try to get across to my clients, and I, I make sure that I have people do this in my sessions, is that when we are having a group discussion, I tell them, I want you to talk to each other. I am not the focal point. Please do not make eye contact solely with me. Talk to each other because then you're the focal point. That's where, and, and that, that's leadership is influence. What we were saying, you know, the first thing that we talked about, because it's not, it's not my solution. It's our solution. Hmm. So in that, in that sense, then it seems like in order to have influence of others, you need to be willing to allow some of the influence to reach you. It's that two-sided community. Is that two-sided uh, direction of communication there, outwards and inwards, and yep. and and I and I think there's I think there's a great amount of truth in that. Um, you know, when people can tell when someone's not listening to them, and they would rather be they would they would rather be speaking rather than listening to, and um, and uh, you know, I think I think having the emotional intelligence to understand um, how other people react and how other people react and adapt to situations and how they would react to you is, is I think such a critical skill. I mean, I mean, in what you were discussing earlier with, you know, towing that line between confidence and arrogance. Well, half of that is how you present it. That's certainly you. I mean, that's certainly, that's something that you can do, but the other half is understanding the communication style of the person on the other side to know what they would interpret or make a reasonable guess uh, as to what they would interpret as being confident rather than arrogant. Yep, that's it. that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you know, and again, Tony, it, 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 you're you're triggering for me. We're we're going to talk about <laughs> habits again for a minute, because you know the first thing we said was habit four, think win win. Habit six, synergize. Sandwich in between, obviously, is habit five which is seek first to understand, then to be understood, which is all about good listening. And that's what you just said, because I want to understand you first. Where are you coming with this? What is your idea? What are your concerns about the launch date? Just taking that out of the air, whatever it might be, because once I understand you, then I know how to respond more effectively Instead of Tony, you're you know you're on board with the launch, right? <laughs> you know I'm listening. Really, tell me, tell me, Tony. And it's like, yeah, right away, boss. Of course. Uh, you know, if I give you a different a different perspective, I'm likely to get my head torn off. Right. I mean, it's it's the emotional intelligence component is um is is so huge to it. And I think another side to it is, um, you know, it's. One one thing that I was reading uh, recently was about how loneliness has become uh, something that's so much more common nowadays. 
rather than it was before. I mean, part of it definitely has to do with the pandemic, but also the, you know, the impacts of, of stuff like social media and other things that make you feel more connect that make that make it seem logically like you're a little more connected, but you start losing a little more of that human connection. And yes. that's, a, that's a little bit outside the scope here. But, um, you know, I think that what a really powerful component of that seek first to understand is just that people oftentimes in from my experience don't have people who are willing to just listen to them without that without any um without some kind of um you know i'm listening so i can defeat you uh defeat yeah. you or account of, or, or make a counterpoint towards you and rather than that just truly just honestly listening to someone and willing and uh willing to understand their perspective and i'm curious to your opinion do you think that's that's a component of an excellent leader because in my experience i felt i find that that both engenders a ton of trust because it's and as well as it generates a lot of um familiarity because i think unfortunately it's so rare to have someone who's just willing to just sit down and listen to you. Uh, I mean, I, Tony, you were bringing up one of the, you know, again, something just so powerful and just so, so critical. There are two, two things I'll talk about for just a minute. Number one, there is a very, I, I, I've seen a very, very short interview with a guy named Gary Sharp. Okay. Gary, uh, for a number of years <clears throat> was the, uh, uh, CEO of Amgen Pharmaceuticals, and he was interviewed, and very simply, he was talking about how at age 62, he learned how to listen. And he said, I learned that my sole purpose, my sole job when I am listening to somebody is to comprehend. That's it. That's all I need to do. All I want to do is comprehend what you're saying to me. And then he goes on, and this is really my point, and I love this. He said, once I got, he said, there's time later to argue. There's time later to persuade. There's time later to talk about these other things. All I want to do in this very moment is comprehend you. And what, it, what does it lead to? Exactly the things you just said. Trust, stronger relationships, deeper relationships, and, you know, just mutual understanding and better, you know, just better everything. And, and to reinforce that, when I, when I do a listening module uh, in any of my sessions, you know, we'll, we'll walk through the model, which is, a, which is part of Habit 5, very candidly, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll do some role playing. And I always ask people, what was the experience like for you? You know, what was it like to have someone listen to you real carefully? Many years ago, Tony, I asked this question. Jessica's hand goes up real, real slowly. And I was like, Jessica, go ahead. Well, you know, what, what, what do you want to share? Ron, it scared me. It scared me to have someone listen. I was like, what do you mean it scared you? It's just a, an unusual answer. She said, Ron, nobody listens to me at work. Nobody. And, when, and to have that happen, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You're actually listening to me. How sad is that? How unbelievably sad is that? Yeah, un unfortunately, um, it's, it's something that I think is becoming just uh, more common, at least the, the sense of loneliness that kind of leads to someone feeling like they're not being listened to, especially when everyone's trying to talk yeah. about, you know, whatever they're talking about. Because on social yeah. media, it's they're not listening to you on social media. They're just talking. I, Tony, I was, I was doing a class in Manhattan, oh, I don't know, maybe a little over a year ago, whatever it is, okay? There's the American Management Association. I'm in the city. And I get in, I, I always get there very early. You know, our class starts at nine o'clock. I'm usually in the room by 730. 
it's day two of this course, so I'm in the room. Somebody from Alaska was in the class. She walks in the room probably about 20 minutes to eight and sat down, and she didn't look well. And I, at first I'm thinking to myself, you know, we had had a good day on day one. Nothing was wrong or anything else. And I was like, yeah, maybe she just has jet lag. So I just went up to her, seek first to understand. I don't remember her name anymore, whatever. And I was like, you look really tired. You, you, you just, you, you don't look okay. What's happening? She looked up at me. She has tears in her eyes. My closest friend overdosed and died last night. And I mean, and it, it, my, my point simply is, I'm not going to let her sit there. And, and you know, I had no clue what was going on. If I hadn't approached her, you know, again, the loneliness and like, who cares about me? I do. I do. I don't know you well at all. And you know what? If you don't look well, seek first to understand what's happening. Let me let me help you. Let me just talk to you. Let me understand you. And, and again, just think about what that does for a relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 powerful. Uh my my wife, uh, the co who's also a co-host here, Donna Shu. Uh, I'm I'm sure she does that a lot in her couples counseling, uh, <laughs> though I haven't personally heard her confirm it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. being listened to, being listened to, and having people care about you. I mean, I think that's truly important. I think that um, it ha- it applies to all of your relationships. It, the kind of sense I'm getting from you um, in terms of the developing leadership style is that you're almost mixing a little bit of your personal into your business relationships because you have, because it's too hard and just simply ineffective for people to think about it strictly from the logical analytical business or business that's, side of things. That's right. One of the nicest <laughs> One of the nicest compliments, Tony, I've had quite a few years ago. I did a two-day leadership class for Santa Fe of Venice, the pharmaceutical. We've wrapped up. People are, you know, people are saying goodbye and so forth. This guy comes up to me. I don't know his, I don't remember his name. I'll call him Andy. You know, Ron, thank you so much. I got so much out of it. You know, we shook hands. Like, oh, you know, you're welcome. Glad to do it. He said, Ron. And he got, his voice got quiet. And he's looking around. He doesn't want anyone to overhear him. He said it was something else, too. And I, I thought I knew where he was going to go with his comment. I was like, what's that, Andy? He said, Ron, it was two days of wonderful marriage counseling. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because these skills are applicable anywhere. And it's true. It's true. You know, good listening, caring, giving, giving effective feedback to people, recognizing people. Creating a safe environment where people are comfortable talking about things. And I mean, you know, it, it, and again, go back to the comments you made, Tony. And I mean, that's sticking with me. And it's something I, I want to pay more attention to moving forward is the loneliness. You know, I'm so lonely because I don't feel comfortable ta- speaking up. My spouse doesn't listen to me. My boss doesn't listen to me. My coworkers don't care about me. And those are things we really need to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an appreciable difference in how you should approach emotional intelligence in a business setting versus a personal setting? Oh. I, I, candidly, I'd have to give that some thought. I mean, I think no, no matter what, And again, I speak for myself. I say to people all the time, you can talk to me about anything. You can talk to me about anything. I may not be comfortable talking about a given subject if I'm not an expert in it or anything like that. I'll listen, yes. And again, it's particularly, and I'm, I'm talking more about now, like from a corporate perspective, if somebody is starting to bring up some real you know, maybe personal, intimate details, whatever it might be. It's like, you know what? It's probably not a good idea for you and I to talk about. That's just too much information. There's some things that you just don't want to hear about. (laughs) Exactly. You know, where's the line? And yet, 
to, you know, to, to reinforce that a little bit, though, too, Tony, is that, you know, people have asked me before on many occasions, you know, can I be friends with the people that report to me? And, and my response is always the same as like, number one, I can't tell you what to do. Number two, my recommendation always has been, or this, this is what I will do. Again, I speak for myself. I, I will always be friendly with anybody. I'll be friendly with anyone. I don't want to be your friend. I don't think that's smart. That That's where, you know, the line can get blurred and that can become problematic. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there is a there is a hierarchy, especially in a in a more business or corporate setting, and and I think there is a lot to be said for, um, you know, respect for respecting it, um, just because if if people get too personal, sometimes I I think there is some potential for some negative business outcomes if people get a little too cl- mm-hmm. get a little too close to each other, especially in a business setting. But I mean, you're right. There's 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 absolutely no reason that you shouldn't care for someone just because you work with them or they work under you. There's there's no reason that you shouldn't have, you know, compassion, empathy, and, and all those other hallmarks of emotional intelligence. Right. And so I think that, yeah, you know, we we talked about this a little bit uh, before the before we started, um, but you know, we we discussed uh, what motivates employees to come in to work every single day and and certainly a part certainly a large part of that um depending on individual personalities is the monetary compensation but there are many situations where people will switch jobs just for pretty much the same pay but that really doesn't apply to or there's other benefits beyond that i mean if it was just monetary compensation um you wouldn't look at stuff like you know increasing pto Increasing PTO, remote work flexibility, stuff like that. So, what do you think um, comprises a lot of other bit of motivation for employees beyond the monetary? The re- research shows quite clearly here the number one reason. And actually, you know what I'm going to say. Let me ask you, what, Tony. What, and I don't mean to put you on the spot either. Here, and, and I mean, well, whatever. What do you believe is the, are the major reasons employees become unhappy at work and ultimately leave? What do you think the major reasons are? Well, I mean, obviously people leave because they are either in some way dissatisfied or they see a better opportunity elsewhere to achieve their needs. But I think a lot of it has to do with um, growth potential, um, stuff like company culture, whether or not they feel welcomed and accepted. Um, by their team as well as um as well as kind of like this 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 idea that i think is growing in prominence lately of uh being able to be being able to be yourself in a workplace that's it the number one reason people leave is their relationship with their manager the number two reason people leave is their relationship with their colleagues and their coworkers. Number three, lack of recognition, lack of respect. The key point, there's no separation between those three things. In other words, people leave an organization or they become unhappy with their boss because the boss is not providing enough recognition or not showing enough respect. And it's the same thing with coworkers. People become unhappy with their colleagues and their coworkers because there's not enough recognition and respect, which goes for me directly to motivation because people are motivated by different things. You know, I, when, when, when I first got into training and development, I needed, I was looking for and I needed the validation. Ron, you are doing a really good job. You know, look, look, you know, look, at, look, at, how, look at the questions you're asking. Look at how the participants are making connections between the material. I needed that. That motivated me. And as time passed and I got more confident, I still like to hear it. Of course I do. It's not nearly as important now. What I like now, hey Ron, would you would you join us in this meeting, please? We would, you know, we'd welcome your opinion on this. And my point simply is what motivates people? 
I, 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 my recommendation always is ask them. Just ask them. What's important to you? What jazzes you? What frustrates you about me? What frustrates you about this team? What could make you consider leaving? What's the best way to give you recognition? What works for you? And again, you know, and, and just, you know, sometimes people have said to me over the years, too, it's like, Ron, that sounds very disingenuous. And I was like, you know what? Not for me. If I go to you and, you know, you're a direct report of mine. Tony, you know what? I just went to a seminar and, you know, the instructor was talking about the need for recognition and how important it is. And I, wa I, I want to talk to you about it for a couple of minutes, because when I recognize you, I want to make sure that it's important to you and that it's relevant to you. What are some things I can do? And I mean, again, there's, there's your caring, there's getting to know people. And I, I think one of the other things too, that becomes problematic, and I sort of mentioned this in, when I, in my comment earlier about, it changes over time. And so you need to stay in touch with people. I think a lot of times leaders think it's like, one and done. It's like, oh, I talked to Tony about motivation three years ago. I know what motivates him. It's like, <laughs> three years ago. Goodness gracious. I mean, and again, just really, you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I've got a son going off to college. Suddenly, and I'm just taking this out, you know, out, out of the air. I'm thinking about a neighbor of ours. Money's more important now. You know, or, or you know, I just had a baby. So it's really important now that I have flexible hours. You know, again, whatever it might be is that you've got to stay in touch with people and, and, and just stay relevant with them, if you will. I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a very well-rounded point of view, but a well-rounded point of view. I, I mean, it really all three of those things that you really talked about and, and most of it really hinges upon the same two concepts we've kind of been talking about and that show that business relationships are not necessarily that different from personal relationships. Sure, there's extra things you have to think about, a bunch of extra numbers, but it's still built on this foundation of trust. You know, especially when you're talking about um, giving feedback out and you're talking to, you know, say you're the manager um, and you're talking to, you, uh, talking to uh, someone, someone who you're managing and you want that uh, honest feedback well they have to be they have to be confident that um you know for better or worse this still happens this still happens a lot now that there won't be any retribution for delivering honest feedback even if it's negative and i think there's a and you can't get that with that without that foundation of trust that is built up uh, right. beforehand so how would you so what, what would you recommend for building trust in a business environment? Build, building trust within, within the business environment, number one, expectations need to be crystal clear. The communication needs to be there. The relationship needs to be there. And for me, I, 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 I think about the psychological safety involved. You know, relative to... I need to feel safe giving you feedback if you're my boss. And what makes me feel safe is when I've been included in things that I feel a part of the team. And that's the first level, if you will. The second level of psychological safety that makes me, again, feel safe. I can ask you questions and I can ask anybody on the team questions. If I'm new to the organization, if I'm new to the department, if I'm working on a new project, asking questions and feeling safe, not feeling stupid, where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to try this, even though I'm not sure it's the right way to go because I don't want to get, I don't want to look silly or whatever. Psychological safety allows me to ask those questions. The third level is contributing. When I'm ready to contribute, let me contribute. I don't need you looking over my shoulder. I don't need you telling me what to do. And then last and not least, and th this is my point with, with, you know, you were talking about giving feedback to each other, is challenging. Where I can challenge you, 
where I can give you maybe some uncomfortable feedback that I'm good with talking about it and you're you're good with receiving it. And I mean, I, I can I can give you an example. Uh, my a boss of mine at a pharmaceutical was getting into the habit of first of all, Joe. Joe I said uh, set clear expectations. Mm-hmm. Joe told us flat out. He said, you know, I'm running this department, and whenever you're doing a class, I reserve the right to just pop in at any point in time. And just, you know, sit down and just spend a little time, see what's going on. And perfectly fair. I had no issue with that. The problem was that Joe was coming into my room. He and I had vastly different styles. Joe was very direct. He got right to the point and he really wanted to keep things moving along. He would go, go, we have things to do here. And I am more, uh, I'll just say laid back, if you will. The problem was becoming, he'd come in the room. He'd be sitting there and he'd go, you know what, I have, a, I have a question for the group. I need to ask the group a question here. And he was doing it on a number of different occasions. He and I were meeting one day and he said to me, is there anything I need to do differently for you? And Tony, I denied to nobody. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And I was like, if I don't say anything to him, first of all, I'm going to be so mad at myself. And secondly, nothing's going to change. And he asked, so here it is. And so I told him. I just told him exactly what was on my mind and what he was doing. And I give Joe a lot of credit because he said, you know what? We do have different styles. And he said, I need to be aware of that, and I will try to change my behavior. And I was like, wonderful. Wonderful. And, you know, because, again, I'm not going to sit here, and I never will say, Oh, come on, everybody. It's easy. You just have to have the courage to talk to your boss or go to, uh, you know, the vice president and tell he or she what's on your mind. It, it, it's, and again, I'm speaking for myself. It's not easy for me, except when I do it, I feel better about myself. And in addition, I know I've spoken my mind and I've given them the opportunity to at least change their behavior or consider what it is I've had to say. Mm hmm. I, mean, I think that's an excellent example of of communication, ultimately. And I think that's also a sec, an excellent example of why building that trust is so important. As you were saying, you were scared. You were concerned. Because it, sound, it sounds like he's very uh, – he, he could be interpreted as being very aggressive to, uh, to, uh, to other folks. That sounds like to some extent to you as well. And that can be – and especially when they're your superior, that can be intimidating because you know, because they may not say it directly, but everyone knows there's a power dynamic going on between the employee and the manager. It's undeniable. It's it's undeniable, and it's it's pretty much always going to be there as long as there's a hierarchy. And being able to navigate that is navigate that is so critical because on some level, I mean, it's. You know the traditional style that you were talking about is is very strict. Is a very strict hierarchy, but in the more modern, high, more modern hierarchies, and, and it certainly sounds like the type kind of coaching that you encourage. It's it's still there, but it's much more flexible. There's much more go back and forth between the different layers, and um, right. and ultimately, um, you know, going towards that, uh, that going towards having them assist, like you mentioned, synergy. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, how do you go? So, I mean, when you're looking at, say, a business owner who's who wants to develop this culture of um, well respect, trust, and this different attitude towards it, people aren't going to necessarily go into the company knowing knowing all these different kinds of things. You know, there's a bunch of different people. This is still a growing change that's happening within the community. So there's definitely plenty of the old, of the older, you know, command and uh, command and control types hanging around, which I'm certain that you interact with on a decent basis. I can tell by your smile that this happens a lot. How, how, how would you go about convincing them of the value of this change and more importantly, getting them to actually make that change within them, within themselves, because it's not, because it's not just, well, this leadership coaching that you're discussing is essentially personal growth. 
I think, I, it, Tony, it, it's so interesting because I'm, go, I'm working with a company as we speak, and we are, we are defining their culture. We've come up with a culture statement. We've come up with some values for them. And it's been a family-run business for, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 years, you know, so you're down the generations and down the generations. And, I mean, how, how do you go about convincing them? Number one is asking a lot of questions. And, you know, mainly that, for me, the one thing I always like to ask, what's the legacy you want your company to have? What's the legacy? Because going down the path that you're going right now is not sustainable. It, it is just not sustainable. And again, it, it, a lot of it goes to as well, though, Tony, establishing those relationships up front. I mean, the, the first conversations that I had with these gentlemen they thought they needed leadership development training, you know, for their managers and so forth. We got on a call very similar to this, and they're like, well, this is what we're looking for, Ron, and this is what we need. And, you know, this they, they need to understand this. And it just based on that, I was like, gentlemen, how open are you to hearing something different than just leadership, leadership and or management development training for your staff? And they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, it's not going to work. I'll tell you right now, I can come in and I can do a bunch of training and I can charge you a bunch of money and it won't work. What needs to happen, you need the training first. And it's not training that you need right now. What we need to do initially is build a culture and establish an actual culture here. And, 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 and I was so impressed with them, and I, and I mean that. And they were, they've been wonderful to work with, and not everybody is. <clears throat> because, you know, they just said, we've been family-run for so many years, we have become very lax. We, you know, people just kind of sort of come in when they want. And, you know, it's like, well, safety, yeah, it's important, except, you know, it's not. Well, you should have worn your safety glasses there. You know, whatever it might be. And it's like, guys, that needs to change. And that needs to change quickly because, again, it's not sustainable. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I, I think you did answer the question. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's it reminds me of in, in I have a lot of sales experience, you know, doing B2B sales. And in sales, we always, for some reason, just relate everything to dating and relationships. Not really sure how it came about, but it's usually pretty apt, honestly. And um, it reminds me of this video that the video that I watched, which was talking about red flags in the relationship. And he said, if everything that you're going and, and the end line was something like, if 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 everyone that you meet has seems to have a problem with them, or they just don't really seem to get it, or they're always kind of a mess, then you reach the maximum level red flag, which is it's just you. And I think understanding that. Um, and, I, and I think this goes, touches back on the bit we had about ego is having the humility to understand that you're not necessarily that understand that you don't already necessarily know exactly what it is to do. And sometimes it's important to just say, I just not really sure how to go about this or ask for someone for help. Um, That's it. And, and, and Tony, that's such a big part of as well. You were, you've been bringing it up quite a bit. That is such a big part of emotional intelligence is just being comfortable enough with yourself to ask for help. I don't know. I don't know. I need help with this. I'm not sure how to proceed. Help me. Show me. You know, whatever it might be. And for me, that exudes confidence. That exudes self-confidence. Yeah, I mean it's it certainly helped it certainly helped me in my relationships when I just say I just don't know. Of course I of course I'm so used to saying I don't know if I actually don't know it. And uh my family comes from my my uh, not my family, but my wife's uh family as a as a more traditional mindset where they like to say I know what I'm doing and then they'll just look it up on Google like about a minute later. <laughs> <laughs> and so she gets a little frustrated so she gets a little frustrated for me sometimes. 
when I just say, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And she's like, why don't you know? It's like, I don't. Would you rather I would you rather t- I tell you I know and then just look it up later and just possibly mess it up? Right. That's right. That's exactly and, and that's and, and it's it's so important to it's so important to have that. Uh, we're running up on time soon here, Ron. Is there anything is there any last bits of knowledge that you have to bestow upon us in regards to leadership and uh, emotional intelligence? Like, you know, I'm I'm gonna go go to something that happened a number of years ago, Tony. I am a, I'm a, and I'm, I'm excited because the NFL season starts this weekend. Uh, I'm a huge New York Giant football fan. I have been for many, many years. I've been a season ticket holder for many years. We are tailgating years ago. One of the guys, Peter, in our group, uh, he's a uh, CFO for a technology company in Manhattan. Comes up to me, goes, okay, Mr. Leadership Development Man, What's the one tip? Throw me the one tip that could make me the best leader possible. And I was like, all right, Peter, let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. I gave, I gave it a little bit of thought, and I'm dead serious when I said that. I was like, Peter, if you want to be the best leader possible and you're going to limit me to one tip, that one tip would be get to know yourself extraordinarily well. Because the better you know yourself, your strengths, your limitations, your triggers, your motivators, all of these other things. When you know that, when you know yourself real deeply, you will work more effectively with others. That's that's wonderful. I mean, that's knowing yourself is is so important. It's something that has been known for time immemorial. Uh, in in the, the Art of War by Sun Tzu, it mentions something about know thyself and know thy enemy, right. and I. It's and somehow and somehow you just have to keep people just keep having to relearn the same lessons over and over again. But uh, sometimes <laughs> that's just that's just the way it works, right? Well, thank you so much for hopping on with us today, Ron. He is the president of RLB Training and Development, and you can reach out to him both at their website as well as on his LinkedIn profile. Thank you so much for tuning in to the X Show today. My name is uh, Tony Shu, as always. And if you want to reach out to me, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram for more content, or uh, you can reach out to me directly at Tony at XUCapital.co. So thank you very much to everyone, and you all have an excellent day. <laughs>